Well, Nathan and I have come to Oklahoma City to the set and the studio of Prophecy Watchers here to interview Mondo Gonzalez. Mondo, thank you for letting us come here to interview you on location. It's been great to have you guys. And really, I say interview, this is going to be a dialogue, but you have a certain speciality that uh, is a passion of yours. Before we even dive into that, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to be affiliated with Prophecy Watchers. Um, about uh, about 18 months ago, a friend of mine, uh, L.A. Marzulli, who we all um, know, most people know, um, he was out skiing in Tahoe. And uh, the short story is, uh, as we were talking, um, Bob and company had been looking to find a co-host. And uh, Bob and L.A. are good friends. And phone call came, and Ellie's like, "Hey, you know, why don't you have you ever considered Mondo?" And I had I had met um, many of the Prophecy Watcher uh, people on a trip to Israel a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and so we just never connected. But God's timing wasn't there. But as of uh, about uh, really 18 months ago, God's call came, and we moved from Tahoe to Oklahoma City to help join the Prophecy Watcher team. Wow! Yeah. So God had a plan even for you to be on that ski slope that day. And it's Tahoe. true. Yep. Wow! You've been a wonderful addition to the program, Mondo. Uh, I know, particularly my parents watch the show almost religiously, and they're saying you're doing a fantastic oh, job that, helping yeah. Gary out. So thank you so much. Well, hey, we're going to be talking about C.S. Lewis' book, The Screw Tape Letters. Uh, before we do that, can you explain what's your fascination with C.S. Lewis? And because I don't know if people realize how much you love C.S. Lewis as a writer. I love C.S. Lewis as a writer. But what got you into reading Lewis? I think uh, originally uh, I'm, a, I'm an apologetics guy, um, especially as a pastor. I, I also kind of have a big mouth in the sense of uh, as first as a new Christian, uh, you go out and evangelize and what happens? You know, people challenge you. And so they challenge you with skeptical questions. And so uh, C.S. Lewis is known as being uh, a great apologist for his book, Mere Christianity. Mm -hmm. What was his time period that he lived in? <clears throat> um, he was born in 1897, died in 1963. He died on the exact same day as uh, JFK, actually. So okay. his, his, uh, his death was overshadowed by that assassination. You know, um, So most of his writings then were probably World War II era? Yeah, absolutely. And then really I think he became, uh, his, his, his most productive writings was really from 1940 till 1963 when he died. Um, but the, the Mere Christianity was right around 1943, 1945 in, in that area, World War II. He was called to give, again, the world, the, the Europe was in a major war, and he was called to give responses to understanding some of the chaos. Hmm. And so in reading Mere, Mere Christianity, naturally, uh, people think, well, have you ever read the screw tape letters? And so I was like, well, sure, uh, no, I haven't, I will. So I remember reading them, I would say probably, oh man, certainly 20, 25 years ago. And uh, I started reading it, and there's a basic plot line, you know, that you can get a little bit here. But I had no clue. It was way over my head. So for our viewers who may not be familiar with the Screw Tape Letters, and just by confession, I also love C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. as a writer. He's one of my favorite authors from the 20th century, and again, a, a gifted uh, describer of the Christian faith as he boils it down to mere Christianity a phrase he actually cites in this book. Mm -hmm. But for someone who's not familiar with the screw tape letters, how do you come to be in possession of these letters or how do you come up with this idea? <laughs> what is it really all about? So th this is a great uh, background is um, he, he, he's in church one day and he tells a story he's, and, and he's in church and this thought comes to him about writing um, a series of letters from a evil perspective or devilish advice. And he, so he's just thinking, hey, I, I want to write about how did, you know, the, the, the art of temptation. And so he's like, well, um, he was a fictional writer. We know him from the Chronicles of Narnia and other books, his Paralandra series. Um, but he's like, okay, I'll create this fictional world where you have a senior demon, senior devil. We don't even say demon, but senior devil. He uses the word devil, uh, named Screwtape, who is writing to a junior tempter. And he's going to give him advice on how to tempt humanity. 
And so he writes a series of 31 letters and giving, uh, again, this junior tempter advice um, and the tricks, because Screwtape's been around a while. He's been, uh, he's been in, the, in the bureaucracy. That he, he, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis writes it in such a world that he talks about, I live in the admin world. He writes it maybe like a military where there's all, everybody's got um, departments. There's an intelligence department. There's the philological department. All these things he does in his fictional world. But Screwtape is writing and saying, hey, let me give you the advice of how to best do it and, and, uh, and things to avoid. So screw tape, in one sense, is a very good theologian and how to tempt humanity. So C.S. Lewis is almost using reverse psychology, if you will, to describe the perspective of the enemy, who he, capital E, enemy, uh, describes mm -hmm. God from Screwtape's perspective, but really he's trying to convey scriptural and biblical truths just through an opposite uh, mirror image, if you will, from the diabolical uh, author, so to speak. You know, it's interesting, yes, because the first time I read it, I didn't know that. Most people just open up the book, and I'm like, this book is horrible, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I can't, the enemy, and, and so you think for us, the enemy has always been the Same. devil, right? Yeah, yeah the, the, the evil realm. But it's, I was like, it seems like he's calling God the enemy here, and indeed he was until I understood the context. So if people don't understand the context, they're going to be confused, and they might even put the book down. Well, famously, one guy uh, read his, his writings, which first appeared in an English newspaper called The Guardian, and was so offended, uh, an elderly clergyman, he said, cancel my subscription, y'all are putting out this advice for how to be diabolical. He, he didn't get it at all. Nope. And you've got other stories like that, I know. Absolutely. It, it yeah. actually even says, a devil's diabolical advice for the capturing the hearts of the human heart. That's that's wicked. <laughs> yep. And, and, and when, you, when you read it, yeah, part of it too is it hits close to home. And so this guy who is reading the article, he's like, this, this is horrible advice. I can't believe that somebody would write this. And yet again, without the context, I mean, it's satire. I mean, it is a fictional book, but C.S. Lewis had a lot to say, and he, he had a lot of uh, observations of humanity, uh, oftentimes um, in the study guide, I call them foibles. Mm. He recognized them and uh, the ways in which our true enemy would try to uh, use them to, to corrupt us. Uh, even in Scripture, God Himself and His prophets oftentimes use satire. So God, at one point, says, as a challenge to the false gods, can you predict the future? Yes, if you're gods, then you tell us and you tell mankind what the future will be. Obviously, that is satirical. They cannot. And Elijah, at one point, tells the prophets of Baal, cry louder. Your God's probably asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom, but call louder. And he's mocking them in a satirical manner. And that's really what C.S. Lewis is doing. Uh, in a backward kind of manner. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he, he, he uses it as an opportunity to, to train us. And uh, honestly, apart from the Bible, uh, I've read a lot of books in my life, no doubt. And, uh, but apart from the Bible, there has been no greater study that I've seen with the diversity uh, of what we talk about uh, sanctification, about growing, growing more holy and growing more wise in our understanding of um, overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the Screwtape Letters provides, if somebody's willing to get into it, there's, I don't think, besides the Bible, there's no greater study because it's so diverse in its mm. topics. And what I found teaching it uh, through the years was people would say, man, I'm so convicted. I feel so convicted. And go, well, hey, that, that's good. We need to grow. That's well, speaking about teaching it through the years, I don't think most people know that you're pretty much one of the leading experts on C.S. Lewis, the Screwtape Letters. You've actually written this wonderful study guide. I mean, we're talking almost uh, 300 pages of study guide if you get into it. Why 
I just I want to understand what's your passion for this? Why? Who's the audience that you're writing this for? Um, well, there's two things. Uh, number one is truth. I think, and uh, as a pastor, you want um, you know you you want your flock. You you want the people that you lead to grow. You know, Galatians 4:19. Until Christ is formed in you, I'm not satisfied. Paul said, mm. right? So he wants Christ formed, and then part of that is the process of sanctification. So when we started. Uh, reading the book, I said, hey, let, let's go through the screw tape letters. This was back in around 2008. Uh, I was pastoring a church in Illinois. And so as I started teaching, I found like, oh, this is really difficult. I mean, Lewis is, is way beyond. I mean, he's, he's yeah, a brilliant writer, brilliant, thinker. Brilliant. Yes. And um, so as I was trying to get into it, I, there was a couple study guides. I was desperate as a teacher to try to help people grow in their faith and as to get through the letters. And what I found was there's a couple little study guides that are very um, cursory, introductory. And so my passion was two things. One was to teach, but secondly was I don't want people to have the same frustration that I did. And I think many times people will start their screw tape letters as, as teaching it, and I have got this through emails, and they give up because it's too hard. It's too hard to understand the background and where he's going. There's a basic plot line, but to get real deep, uh, he makes reference to all kinds of uh, peoples, places, and times. Mm -hmm. Sure does. Lewis was a brilliant scholar. Uh, and so the second reason was, hey, everybody, I want you to be able to teach the Scripture letters in your Sunday school class, in your small group, wherever, in your home group. You know, for If you want your child as a homeschool person or even a college, if you want to study, I want to give you the tools needed in order to do it. You don't need to be intimidated anymore. Here, I'll guide you every step of the way. Well, we're obviously going to make sure our viewers know how to get a copy of your book, The Screw Tape Letters, a study guide and commentary. And really, we're going to plug you into Prophecy Watchers where you can find this resource. And it is a tremendous study. But you talked about C.S. Lewis himself being a great scholar. I'm told that C.S. Lewis had a tremendous library. You could pull any book off the shelf, open it to a page, cite the page, and he could quote from that page. That, that is a mind that is beyond uh, almost comprehension for me. And yet, People might ask, why are we talking about the screw tape letters on a program focused on Christ in prophecy? And here's why, folks. And we've already kind of set this up in our introduction. But Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, meaning today, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God. We have to realize there's a realm beyond our five senses that is in effect today. And you talked about C.S. Lewis having a fictionalized version of how that realm might operate. Mm -hmm. But really, it's always out there with diabolical intent. And many of the things that Lewis touched on in these letters are, in fact, prophetic. He, he had things mm -hmm. he wrote in the early 1940s that have come to pass just in recent years or at least are manifest even more. So I think this is contemporary for our time and I think just as Paul advises us it's something we have to be wary of, not fixated upon. So how do we balance being aware of without fixating on the devil and his evil intent? One of the other passages that comes to mind is, is 1 Timothy 4.1. We're in the latter times. So now um, we're in a prophetic context. In the latter times many will depart from the faith and give heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And so there's no doubt that as we see the end of the age approach, we look out and we see this war, Ephesians yes. 6.12. We're in a war whether we like it or whether we admit it or whether we know it or feel it if you want to say it that way. But we're seeing this uh, uh, increase in demonic teachings and uh, temptations. We see the, the our particular culture which has been very protected for most of it because it was very Bible-centered. Bible 
um, they, people lived out the armor of God, which protected them, but now they don't. And so it's amazing witchcraft and all these other things. So it's important for us to be equipped, to be ready. Um, another passage I bring up often in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, that mm-hmm. the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual for in taking everything under the obedience of Christ. Why? Because we're going to take down strongholds. So part of the screw tape letters uh, is brings out these tremendous truths that equip us in these prophetic times. So to me, um, there's a lot of connection there. It's not just forced. Scripture says that it will become more and more. And it's, it's an enjoyable way to learn about how Satan tries to manipulate us and yes. pull us away from the Lord. I first read the Screwtape Letters actually as an audio book by uh, John Cleese from mm-hmm. Monty Python who did a wonderful job reading it. And then I saw a one-man play where he had memorized, oh, and it was like wow. three hours long, and he'd memorized the entire book and he performed it. And what's interesting is that he puts a little humor in it because you think that, that screw tape is so kind of fatherly to Wormwood. He's giving him advice. He's worried about him. But as the book goes on and he sees that, that Wormwood is not keeping the man away from God, you know, that you start getting the threats and the evil mm-hmm. and you start feeling it. Uh, just one thing I want to add to this yeah. is, is screw tape was writing this because, you know, we have people who say, well, you know, that's getting dark. That's, that's getting into occultism and stuff like that. But Lewis himself, decided not to keep writing any more letters for a particular reason, right? Didn't he feel that writing from a satanic perspective was very hard on him? Yeah, there's a couple things too that uh, in the new preface, Lewis wrote a new preface in 1961, so just a couple years before he died, and um, it appeared in the American version of the book. And he says very clearly in there that this isn't a book about the occult. It's not a book specifically about demonism or whatever. He, He said, I'm writing a book about temptation. Mm. And he just created the fictional world to help. And so I think he, he felt, he, as he was writing them, he goes, man, through the years, many people wanted me to write more. And he goes, you don't realize how much of a grind it was. He had to get his mindset uh, as a Christian into ungodliness and to think the most wicked things you can about people, about motives. And so it was hard for him. He's like, man, I just felt dirty and icky. <laughs> but even so, he also testified in that very preface. He said, uh, people asked, well, how could you get into the mind of a demon uh, to be able to write from that perspective? And he said, my own heart yep. showeth me, to quote him, showeth the wickedness of the ungodly. He said, mm-hmm. it's never mm-hmm. farther from my own heart. So I just had to kind of play out those things that exist in my own human nature and take them to their nth degree. And, and so he did that again in a, a, a wonderful way, but obviously trying to convict us to, to be guarded against the, the fiery darts of the devil and all of his minions. Hello, my name is Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're using the internet to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ to the billions of people who are connected online now and after the rapture. I would like to invite you to come and check out our website at ChristinProphecy.org. Watch whole episodes of Christ in Prophecy and our short prophetic perspectives and the Inbox series for in-depth teaching about end-time events. Read from the library of articles on our website and blog covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. Subscribe to our free e-newsletter to receive the Lamplighter magazine, as well as to our social media to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our online store. I invite you to come and visit ChristinProphecy.org today.
let's dump into the book itself. Mm -hmm. Let's jump right in and dive in. I'm going to ask one question, though. First off, speaking of the era in which C.S. Lewis wrote, who did he dedicate this book to? Another famous author. Yes, uh, he dedicated it to J.R. Tolkien. Which we know of as being the author of The Hobbit and the whole Lord of the Rings series. That's very been popular very right popular now. Very popular right not now. Not the Rings of Power, though. <laughs> yeah, not the Rings of Power. So these guys were buddies, and they actually played off one another in, in terms of their, their ideas that they would uh, roll about. So here's a question I'll pose to you, and C.S. Lewis testified. Did he actually believe in the devil? What did he say when asked if he believed in the devil? He, he said absolutely, but he, see, he's, he's a wordsmith. He's a philologist guy um, in the sense that he would say, well, let's make sure we define what devil is. Okay, right? so yeah. let's define yeah. what devil means. Because he would say, if what, you, if what you mean by devil is someone that stands in opposition to God, then no, I don't. In equal opposition. In equal opposition. Th that's that's the key point. Because he said, God has no equal. God is the only uncreated create, you know, creator of others. And so, but what he would say is, I believe certainly in devils in the demonic realm. He believed the Bible. He was a supernaturalist, which is great. But he believed that the opposite of the devil would be Michael. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I bring in the scripture, I bring scriptures that help, alle help show that that's true. Revelation 12, again, prophetic passage that you have Michael and the devil squaring off. And again, and there's other passages, but he did believe absolutely in a real literal devil and a one who ruled over a kingdom of demons and others that, again, seeks to tempt humanity. So he had a biblical frame. And too often in the West, we think of the devil in his cartoonish figure, either a mm -hmm. figure on one shoulder and an angel on the other, or in some kind of red uh, jumpsuit wearing horns and carrying a pitchfork. And all these are cartoonish. And I think they do a discredit because pretty soon you say, oh, that's just, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it is, but that's not who our enemy is. And that's not who yeah. is, is opposed to us, even in our faith, day in and day out. Yet Lewis kind of makes the characters of both Screwtape and Wormwood almost comical in nature. Like, okay, we should fear them because they are evil creatures who are bent on destroying us or at least keeping us from God if we're saved. But in the end, it also shows, I think, how petty they are and how insignificant, how easy the Lord could destroy them. Do you think Lewis was intending to demonstrate that, that the demonic world, though a threat to us humans, are completely powerless against God? Oh, there's no doubt uh, that he believed, again, that God is supreme. As Christians, though, what he was after was showing the ways in which we unknowingly become tempted and to become controlled, maybe in, in that sense. Not, I'm not talking about possessed, but just in the sense of giving into the flesh. Uh, he also uh, despised the, the medieval renditions of the mm. way demons were presented. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he, he, he mocked it. Again, he was, uh, he was 100%. He was a Cambridge scholar of English, you know, in the Renaissance period and medieval period. So wow. he, he definitely, he held the chair. I mean, he was, he was a brilliant and he was a classicist as well. Um, by the time he was little, he was learning Greek at five years old. So, <laughs> but, um, so he, he had that background, but <clears throat> he also would say, hey, but by the way, he, he loved Dante's rendition. He mm -hmm. loved Faust's rendition of the way that um, true evil, when you look at those renditions, he said they're terrifying. And that's what we should always remember is that these are real beings who are out for what? For your soul. But talking about petty, he talked about their pettiness between themselves in the yeah. preface. Constantly trying to one-up each other Correct. for power, right? Yep. I, I like what Nathan said because he gives two quotes at the beginning of his book, one by Luther, the best way to drive out the devil if he will not yield to texts of Scripture is to jeer and flout him. And basically laugh at him because he cannot bear scorn. And Thomas More says, the devil who 
with proud spite cannot endure to be mocked. And so mm -hmm. when we mock him, when we, when we scorn him and laugh at him, not dismissive of the threat he presents, especially to those who are unsuspecting and unguarded by the armor of God, but when we mock him, he, he just cannot stand that. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's interesting I bring that up in, in the book because it's, there's a very interesting passage in the book of Jude, and this is one of the places. So let, let's say this. Do we agree with everything that C.S. Lewis ever wrote? No, we do not. He has a lot of theologies that I wouldn't agree with. Do we agree that everything he wrote in the Screwtip Letters? No. And so one of the things that you have in there, is, and I encourage people in the book, is always think scripturally. I have over a thousand scriptures referenced in the study guide to help people think. But always to say, hey, do we agree with what Lewis is saying here and how he's maybe presenting it through Screwtape? So Lewis has a theology that he's presenting through Screwtape, or is Lewis presenting something that Screwtape would have in his own diabolical theology? So either way, you're going to get hit going right, you're going to hit going left. Yeah. But one of the things that I bring up is this passage in the book of Jude, where Jude is um, talking about false teachers, and they have, they have no respect, and he says to the point that they will even speak evil of glorious ones. Mm. Doxa, it's doxoi. It's these, and so there he says, and you guys know the story, where he says, even Michael, in disputing over the body of Moses, would not throw a slanderous accusation against Satan, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So, in the, I say, hey, even though this is where a place I think I would disagree with Lewis, in that we are not to mock or to scorn, because why? Because Michael wouldn't. That's a good point. They have, he has a position. Now, granted, that's between him and the Lord. I'm not going to reverence him, but he does have a position which is far greater than Mondo Gonzalez, and he's going uh, to answer to the Lord on that day. So, interestingly, here again, the mocking and the scorning, you think, Jude's telling us that even Michael wouldn't dare to do such thing because of Satan's position. Interesting. That's, a, very that's interesting. a really good point. Well, we, as we're going through the book, we've talked to kind of about the outline and the basics, but how does the pacing go? Like, as he, we have 31 letters, is there, can you break down what each letter is? Is there an intro and some advice? And I mean, how does each letter's so, feel go? It, it's, it's fun because, uh, again, there's a basic plot line where you have um, uh, screw tape writing to Wormwood, and uh, saying, hey, dear Wormwood, it's like this nice, yeah. feigned, Fam familial. Yeah, feigned love, because yeah. uh, we, we see later how that comes to play. But you have a patient, uh, Wormwood's assigned to this human being, and uh, the, the patient gets saved early on. And then he's like, okay, Wormwood, now we need to change our trajectory to, uh, he, he's, uh, he's got saved, now we're going to try to corrupt his spirituality. We're going to try to make him walk away or whatever. And so you see development of the patient through his time period. Um, he ends up, you know, has a conversations about his mom, he gets a girlfriend, but then he's under threat of being uh, inscripted in the war, conscripted in the war. And so you see these, these issues of life. So that's kind of the overall framework of starting with the patient as an unbeliever, getting saved, and then corrupting him all the way until the end of the book. There, where the full armor of God is on him, right? And he becomes almost incorruptible. Well, I, I, no, I, no, I think the patient's so too... So could keep going. Yeah, yes, yeah. the patient's too young. I mean, he's a, he's a new believer. Yeah. And so he's learning about his own uh, pride and humility in his own place. And, and you see, honestly, there's several letters where you see Lewis. He was about 43, 45 when he's writing this. And you see his own struggles come into the character. Oh, yes, you do. Okay. Yes, you do, especially during a time of war. And I think mm -hmm. that, that focuses more than anything else. And, and people who have not lived in a, a time of great conflict, uh, and even in the United States, most people in this country have never felt the threat 
that the people of England did in the midst of the war, after living through the Blitz, after bombings night after night in London and most of the other major cities in England, they really felt a, an existential threat to their nation, to their own safety. And so Lewis writes from that perspective, and it really does focus your attention. One of the things I'm curious about, and, and I appreciate what you said about we should be careful to mock the things that mm -hmm. uh, we really don't fully understand, but how does Lewis describe Satan's appearance? What does he say he oh, kind of yeah. looks like? You know, um, this is where, again, going back to that preface, he, he describes him in a very... Um, he understands the terrifying nature, but he also understands that he comes as an angel of light. Yes. And so again, even though he did, he would mock the 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 tights, the red tights, the you know the horns, mm -hmm. he also recognizes here is a being that is uh, a beautiful being that is meant to be crafty, cunning, and deceptive. Mm. I think that that is always the reality that sometimes we dismiss. Uh, some people get, as the famous saying is, too fixated. They mm -hmm. spend too much time thinking about the devil, Satan and others don't think about him enough in terms of realizing that he is always out there nipping at our heels like a lion that prowls about. Yes. And I actually do like Lewis's uh, fictionalized uh, hierarchy of hell because I find that it's very prophetic. He describes the hierarchy with rings that to modern readers sound much like a, a government bureaucracy today mm -hmm. with all of its different departments and how just absolutely overwhelming it is and yet it just rolls over people. And boy, it, it, it reads like uh, I'm living through this right now. Especially from a military background. Yeah. One of the things I do in the introduction is I chase down uh, every single uh, department. I list them all out in order just to be thorough. I was like, let's do it. Let's do an introduction of this world. Uh, again, there's the philological department. There's the war department. There's the intelligence department. There's the, the lower archy. You know, he, he has it truly as an administrative bureaucracy. And so I give the entire, every, every possible department you might have, I find it and I organize it out. As you can see that Lewis was brilliant in his, in his writing. Not only, he was just fun. He yeah, was fun, fun, but he understood human nature yes. as well. And so some of those natures, having served in the political realm for 13 years, his description of what I will call a dog-eat-dog -dog mentality yes. in, in hell, man, that is the political realm on steroids. And it's gotten worse than ever before, even in this country, to where your allies are, are only allies of convenience because they're going to come after you if you're not in favor of another program. It is a dog-eat-dog -dog mm -hmm. world. And again, that's part of our problem culturally today. Yeah, no doubt. And, and he, he describes that world, again, in the bureaucracy of going, uh, they're hungry. What are they hungry for? Well, you know, to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. We see that scripturally. So when you take the scriptural and then you take what he says, that you're like, again, th let me say this. He will tell you, and I, I have quotes, all kinds of quotes of him. He'll say, I'm not a theologian. Uh, you know, I, I'm a classicist. I'm a medieval literature guy. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a lay person in the Anglican Church. And so there are times, again, when I would disagree with his theology because he wasn't trained in that, but he's still a brilliant thinker. And so in these times, I think many times he was biblical, more biblical than he even knew. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like, oh, he said this, and, and here's, here's 30 scriptures to back him up. So it's kind of fun to see that way. But what he describes is these beings, they are meant, who are they out for? They're out for themselves, they're out for fear of punishment, and they're hungry for own self-promotion, self-exaltation, everything opposite of Jesus. Wow. Absolutely. Wanda, I'll tell you what, this has been so rich, and I think there's so much more that we could really explore about the screw tape letters. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make an audible, and Nathan, we're going to extend to yet another week because I think there's too much to pack into one episode of Christ in Prophecy. 
Mondo, will you stay with us for another uh, conversation about C.S. Lewis Insights and the Screw Tape Letters? Absolutely. All right, we'll folks, come back again next week when we will continue this conversation. I know it will be a blessing to you. Godspeed. Thank you.